0: Millennials, yeah, we back at it again. Versus the world, you know that we gon' win. Right by my side, got my family and kin. Go, K.D. NW, man, his pockets. k I like Giannis, he keep it above. Millennials up and we ain't getting stuck. No, they ain't ready, you think we gon' stop? Maryland in D.C., we got it on lock. Tune in, we live and you know we the spot. Panels and parties, you know how we rock. Uh, millennials versus the world. Millennials versus the world. Millennials versus the world. Millennials versus the world. good people welcome to another episode of the millennials versus world podcast at this point you have already met these dope individuals on the wellness project so who i have today doing her thing very dope so very genuine very authentic so first and foremost i want to thank her for coming on she's doing great things in her space she's a relationship coach she's a doctor she's really just killing the game so dr daryl johnson thank you so much for coming on to the pod
1: thank you so much for having me and that lovely introduction
0: for sure for sure so before we get started. I know we just briefly talked about off-camera, how you're doing, but let's just kind of jump to like pandemic, like this post-pandemic-y, whole little vibe. How's that been for you and the pandemic in general before we get started?
1: The pandemic for me has been something that I had to work through as far as the pandemic anxiety, you know, when everything was kind of like chaotic, no one really knew what was going on and everyone was just kind of scared in the beginning of this had to manage that. And during that time, actually I was on site at my previous job with um, DC's detention facility. And so that brought all kinds of like stress and I had a new baby and that was a lot. And so now with things kind of sort of, you know getting into like this new kind of normal, Um, I'm fully remote working from home with my practice and seeing clients and I've adjusted, I've adjusted in, you know, just dealing with not being cooped up in the house, (laughs) just out of fear, but, you know, doing things here and there, especially within reason, um, you know, trying to take care of myself and family and yeah, just looking out for other people to make sure that we're all staying safe and not. Allowing it to uh, get to my mental health.
0: For sure. Are you naturally an extrovert or introvert? Oh,
1: I'm a little bit of both. And honestly, it really depends on who I am with. Like if I'm around, you know, strangers and just, you know, solo dolo at like a party or a gathering or something like that, or even networking or a work conference or something like that, Mm -hmm. then I can push myself to be a little bit more like outgoing and talkative. So I'm not just like Debbie Downer fly on the wall, kind of weirdo sitting in the corner. But (laughs) as long as like, you know, like I'm feeding off of good energy, I think I can give that back.
0: Bet, 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 bet. So before we get into your book, Love and Other Stuff and your coaching, just kind of take us back to like your upbringing, where you from, how it was, you know, before you became every, you know, the woman you are now, just kind of take us through your upbringing and how it was. So I was born and raised in Northwest DC
1: uptown and spent um, a little bit of like my developmental years in Montgomery County, um, probably starting with like middle school, I think, um, and finished high school and uh, went off to college, Uh, went to school in Gettysburg, Pennsylvania. And um, yeah, like I'm the second oldest of five siblings. Yeah. Nope.
0: Yep. I'm still in the DMP area. No. 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 So, uh, when did you? This is very interesting to me for people that specifically with therapists. When did you know you wanted to be a? I'm gonna say when you wanted to help people, and when you find out it was like therapy, and then like coaching. When did you know how that little line of things happened for you? When did you know that?
1: That's funny because a lot of people will start out with saying, oh, I always wanted to help people. And so I, I love that you kind of phrased it that way because mm-hmm. yes, I did want to help people, but in what capacity? Um, my, I want to say it was probably my junior year, I think. At some point in high school, they offered like a psych 101 class mm-hmm. and I took it. And right around that time, the movie um, Cruel Intentions came out. It's an older movie, oh gosh. I'm
0: with okay. you, I'm with you. I know the movie, I know the movie.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was Ryan Felipe. Um, And in the opening scenes, like he's speaking with his uh, therapist and the female that he's referring to in the session, she realizes that it's, that it's her daughter that he's referring to and she just like spazzes. But I just thought that it was so cool to kind of, you know, look nice and have this nice fancy office and just like sit with people all day and help them. And so around that time, because my high school was offering that, I took advantage of it and it was right up my alley. I spoke to anyone and everyone that I could, like any of the connects that my parents had. Hey, I need to talk to them because I want to see if this thing is for me. And it was. And so, yep, every since high school, I knew that that would be the the vehicle or the road that I would go down um, to be able to help people.
0: So can you kind of take us through? So let me ask this though, because I know this was true for some other people. Did you experience therapy in your youth, like going to therapy or anything like that? Or was it something that you knew about, but you didn't need in order to get through your childhood or how was that for you?
1: So, no, I did not go to therapy in my younger years. Um, actually didn't go to therapy until like, honestly, it was a few years ago. Um, like recently, and in grad school, I went to Trinity in DC uh, for my master's, and it's a part of the curriculum that you have some kind of, you know, experience, even if it's uh, kind of just doing like these mock little therapy sessions with uh, your colleagues or other students in the class.
0: Mm-hmm. Um,
1: but yeah, we we had to do that, and that was kind of cool. Um, but certain things triggered me to seek it at the point that i did and i'm so glad that i did but um interestingly enough my middle school i I remember my my middle school guidance counselor and we have similar first names she was actually my school um school counseling professor at my master's program wow same person it's, it's so funny how time works but anywho um i remember that she like i I remember her role and so they would have like these different like small little like female support groups and stuff like that that Mm -hmm. i was curious about um but that was probably the extent to it Mm -hmm. growing up
0: all right bet so this is what i want so i know but as you talk it makes me think about other stuff so can you kind of tap into like you are a doctor of, of, of your study so can you talk about was that an original goal? Was that something like once you got in the space, I'm like, I think I need this or, and once you answer that, what was it like being a black woman going to get that doctoral degree in that field? Can you kind of tap into that and what that was like? Yeah, good
1: question. So I did not know what the differences were between PhD and mm-hmm. then, you know, as I went on throughout like uh, college and high school, It was all these other things popping up like PsyD and LPC. And it was just all these things. I had to learn about them. Mm -hmm. And once I found out that, okay, you don't really need a PhD level or PsyD training, you know, kind of level Mm -hmm. to do what I wanted to do. I, you know, just actually just did what I needed to do, which is be licensed on the master's level. And then I said, you know what, I might as well, right? I might as well just get my PhD. I knew I didn't, and I still don't want to be licensed on my PhD level because that exam is wild. (laughs) (laughs) I barely survived survived, uh, studying for the uh, licensure exam for DC. Um, I literally like studied straight for like four months. I didn't do anything. I barely took care of myself, I'm walking around looking like a zombie. Yeah, yeah. Because I hate taking exams. Mm-hmm. I, I hate it. And it was it's so much pressure, because you hear how people don't do well on them the first time. Mm-hmm. I mean, thankfully, I did, and almost passed out when they told me that I, that I passed.
0: Mm-hmm. But
1: um, yeah, like, I, I choose not to be licensed at that level, You don't necessarily need to be. Um, but I did enjoy my PhD research and that whole experience. It just allowed me to do the research that I wanted to do, which is, uh, on relationships and things. Um, but yeah, you, you definitely don't need it. It's not required to do talk therapy. Um, what else am I missing? What else did you say?
0: No, you hit it all. But, but I want you to kind of dive into like that, that experience of getting, being a black woman, getting the masters. I mean, excuse me, getting the, the doctorate, even though you didn't need it. But like, what was that? Cause you don't hear it a lot. Like, like people see, like if you're in certain fields, you may see, so I'm in education, right? And I see a lot of, you know, black women with the doctoral degree, but if you're not in education, you may not see it mm-hmm. a lot. And the in the grand scheme of things, the women I see with it, it's still not a lot. It's just, I see them every day. So I know it's out here. So like, what was that like? Uh, just, just, I don't want to say separate yourself, but it was like separating yourself, becoming a, you know, a doctor in your study as a black woman. What was that like for you? It like, like you said, you don't see
1: a lot of it. I, I wasn't exposed to it a whole lot. Mm -hmm. I mean, you know, my parents' friends would be highly educated. They would have some, you know, master's level, some kind of higher degree um and in the field because i did study in dc mm-hmm. and i was blessed to have two major uh supervisors during that time during my masters and my phd studies they were both black one was uh one is a uh licensed female licensed social worker wow. um black and the other one's uh same but he's he's a black male and um, Yeah, I was just always kind of like around it in some way. But as far Mm -hmm. as like calling a Black woman doctor, no, not so much. So while it was different, I feel like I've always kind of been in those different spaces. Mm -hmm. For instance, I was the only one out of my main crew that, uh, well, one other one that went to a predominantly white institution. Mm -hmm. I randomly just went to this, you know, this white, liberal arts school out of just nowhere. And, you know, like I was one of almost none and especially the one that finished, right? Or finished on time uh, and being involved in all kinds of things. Like I pledged while I was at school, granted it was it was a black sorority, part of the divine nine, S.G. Um I was also the president of the NAACP. So I was still oh. immersed right mm-hmm. like I, I i was still like with it like with our culture but mm-hmm. uh just in a totally different environment and then with my um masters of course it's dc middle of dc yes it was people that look like us but on the mass uh on the master's level phd level oh yeah i was the only one but you know
0: like oh, i said oh. i'm kind of used to it One sec- hold on one second i this light got to move because it's, it's clouds keep messing up. My whole- but- right here, I'm sorry. <laughs> I apologize. It's only yeah. fine. Yeah. I'm like, what? Yeah, I'm like, oh, now I, I <laughs> all right, it's a little better, but I'm like, all right. But so next to that, I want to get to, because this is a touchy subject in today's society with social media. How did you get to relationships being the thing that you conquer and help people with? Like what kind of led you to, because well, like, relationships are touchy, whether it's family, you know, uh, uh, intimate one, husband, wife, boyfriend, girl, they all touchy. So what kind of led you to become, uh, you know, the a therapist and coaching in the relationship game? What led you to that?
1: So my master's was in clinical counseling. And masters, you get a little bit of everything. Mm-hmm. Um, I didn't, like, master's programs, you sort of really don't have a specific Specialty to hone in on. They may have a few, you know, special courses of interest. But I didn't have like my niche. Like I did not know that I wanted to do that until I was well into my PhD program. Um, but first, when when you first get there, you have to like literally the first course. You are choosing a research topic that you will anticipate finishing in like five or six years. But it starts there because. You know everything that you do will build upon it, and originally, just you know, they tell you to just like do a basic search, and I'm like, okay. So what interests me? Like what is interesting? What is needed? Um, and for some reason, I have no idea, but for some reason, I was drawn to the relational aspect, but the the male um, experience of a um, of a selective abortion or termination of pregnancy. Wow. And that was not even like a whole, it wasn't even a whole lot of like research out there, especially mm-hmm. if we narrowed down to like black couples or black men, mm-hmm. um, their, their experience with uh, selective uh, terminations. But with, you know, continued like just research, attachment kept coming up. Mm. Okay, like, what is this? I've never heard of attachment theory. Mm-hmm. Or attachment styles. And then that's what caught my eye. Like all this research about attachment and you know, early on, like caregivers, babies, how we interpret love, all of our needs, and things like that. And so yeah, like that's when it really started a little bit into my my PhD program.
0: Dope, dope, dope. So kind of getting into like a (laughs) touchy question, but I gotta ask. Like how how often so I'll give my opinion and then I'll, I'll you see where it stems from so like I'm a believer and I've been with my wife for 13 years we've been married for nine wow and
1: congratulations
0: thank you thank you thank you and I've realized like the older I've gotten a lot of relationships for me is more about how much do you understand the other person not mm-hmm. your, but like yeah yourself but like you can understand what somebody else needs and wants before you understand yourself and you're able to apply that, right? So when you're thinking about in a relationship realm, how often do you come across, whether it was research, uh, case studies or whatever the case may be, or actual like it, it real experience, how much do we miss each other as far as like misunderstanding each other in communications and how important is that to make a relationship healthy and go?
1: Oh my gosh, 100%. It is so important and it is, always almost always the issue that will keep couples in conflict mm-hmm. or bring them you know it'll be the last straw and it brings them into couple's therapy mm-hmm. um research says that it's about 70 percent of all the conflicts that we have in our relationship they're just unresolvable 70 oh, percent wow. is a lot that and is. So you have to think like I always encourage my clients and even myself to think like look, does this fall into the categories, is this the 70% or is this the 30%? Because if it's a 70, then we we just need to hear each other out and agree to disagree. If it's a mm. the 30, then what are we missing? Mm. What what else needs to be discussed? What how are we missing each other and how can we have a clear communication? Mm. Um, and as you said, like it's it's so important to be able to understand one another and yeah, like understand yourself and um, your needs, especially in communicating your needs and wants, but also being a friend to your partner and having that compassion and empathy to look at them with compassionate eyes and say, listen, like, I I see you, I hear you. And this is where you're coming from. So like, I'm going to validate that.
0: Sure. Sure. Dope, dope, dope. And, And so we're going to get to the book, but I got one more little, I got one more little shebang that I want to ask. Um, uh, When I was in one of your lives, I heard you talk about, um, and this is kind of a backtrack, but I want to clarify this before we go into the book. You were talking about uh, how using therapy versus coaching is very important. The language behind like people are more accepting towards, you know, relationship coaching than they may be to relationship therapy. Can you kind of tap into like your experience with why that wording is so important and kind of the difference between the two?
1: Very, very good point. So yes, therapy and coaching are different and there's stigma behind therapy, just the word therapy. People have all kinds of, you know, preconceived notions of what that means. Oh, like she's crazy or she must be on medication or he's this or he's that. And and that not really right and we're not to that point of course with the with the pandemic it seems like this conversation is being talked about like this topic of conversation is being talked about so much more of Mm. therapy or seeking some kind of professional help but I don't think we're there yet you
0: know
1: society-wise as being very much comfortable with expressing urine therapy right now I mean depending on who you're talking to it could feel like the cool thing right like oh my therapist said or you'll see all these like memes and posts and things but in our intimate interpersonal relationships if you bring that up to a friend that you probably that you're probably unsure is you know accepting of that or not like you're going to be faced with probably some judgment or those preconceived notions or trying to explain yourself like oh, like, I didn't know he was that bad off or, you know, Mm. like people feel like it's, you gotta be bad off to go to therapy. And actually you should go to therapy for maintenance to work through whatever, even if you are bad off, quote unquote, Mm. Um, you should have that as a support. And so it's the stigma really that people are just more open to saying, oh yeah, my life coach or my relationship coach or my coach said this, right? Like my accountability coach, I'm checking in with them um, nobody would really question you really, they would probably be more intrigued. Like, oh, like they've helped you, or they're kind of like, you know, what I see on TV or something like that. But with therapy, it's it's a bit different.
0: So, yeah. so, uh, love and other stuff. What was the, the motivation, the inspiration behind writing the book? And it's amazing. I've, i I'm all, I'm almost that I've already started, but like, what was the motivation in the 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 reasoning behind it. Like what made you want to a write a book and then specifically about love?
1: I've always wanted to write a book uh, from when I first entered in college when I really started to like read up on different psychologists and theories and things like that. Um, I read so many books on um like their patient um interesting stories and things like that. I'm like, I could do this. Like, you <laughs> know, I don't like could write about the, the stuff that happens, mm-hmm. um, and that's still an idea of mine, but of course. of course, once I finished my research, I'm like, I basically have a book, I just have to turn it into something that people want to read because oh, wow. this 200 page dull, like, <laughs> research paper is going to be it with nobody, yeah. So, boring, um, I yeah, but I, I knew that this the, the, the research and just like talking about like relationship stuff would be really important. And because of all the red tape and all the the stuff associated, all the barriers associated with therapy, I knew that I wanted to reach more people. And so through coaching, I could do that through my book, I could do that. So I really wanted to be able to just reach more people and have different methods of doing that. Everyone, doesn't like to read some people like to do audibles or some people like to do one-on-ones versus like group coaching or you know i wanted to just offer a little bit of everything
0: that's dope that's dope and and so and first of all i love your post they like a one you. but i want to tap into something very specific i hear you you know you post a lot and you talk about a lot the love languages right so what in your opinion in your like i'm gonna say personal and professional opinion how important does, A, do you think everybody has one? And B, are they something that once you have it, that's your love language or are they ever evolving? So like, does everybody have one? And once they have one, is it ever evolving or is it like, this is my love language and how that looks may change, but that's still your base love language. Does that that question make sense? Mm-hmm. Right, it yeah. makes sense. Yeah.
1: So yes, we have five love languages and it's so important. You know, I mean, everyone has one. Mm -hmm. It could fluctuate depending on who you're with and just kind of what changes in your life. Like maybe if your priorities change or you just have different needs or wants, you might have an epiphany one day and say, you know what, I'm feeling really fulfilled in this other way. This, you know, uh, quality time could now be my primary love language. But we all have levels of them. Um, If you were to take one of the quizzes that's out there now, you'll get percentages back, not just one, but you'll get percentages. So like, I like to take, the main uh, one or two and focus on them with my couples because we have to be able to speak each other's language. If I enjoy words of affirmation and you enjoy quality time, if I'm always spitting out words of affirmation to you, I'm like, oh, like he's so loved because I'm giving him what I would want. Like that's the love but you like, hold up, wait a minute. We haven't spent inequality time together that's not how I receive love so that's a big source of disconnect when I talk to a lot of my couples because that whole saying you got to treat others how you want to be treated Mm -hmm. that doesn't work so well or translate so well in our romantic relationship because how I want to be treated how I like to receive love is very different from how you would like to receive love so that's where that disconnect comes from so it is so important to be able to understand your own and your partner's, so that you could meet their needs
0: and i think the the biggest thing about even like what you said treat others how you want to be treated i think just culturally you know I, me being a 90s baby like a lot of you realize when you get a little older like a lot of the things we were taught just aren't conducive to like growing relationships they're kind of like conducive to like keeping a relationship if it's bad We're gonna keep it bad if it's good. It's not really conducive to for two people to grow and learn and understand each other. Cause like for instance, with the love languages, I would have sworn I was a like physical touch, like quality time person, and I realize I'm not. I'm not that. I'm just like a words of affirmation every now and again, and I'm cool. You know what I mean? And I'm like, I had a bad habit of like I'm an acts of service, right? So I would do anything for you, but my wife had to tell me like I appreciate it, but like you don't, I can do those things. You don't have to. So, but it all comes from like, you know, a lot of times when we have figures in our home or the lack thereof, we're taught just to do things one way and people got to receive it this way. And that's just simply not how it is when we, when we actually get into like a relationship that's evolving. Um, But um, I did want to ask, as you, you know, navigate this off the world, you're talking about love, spreading love, you're coaching and doing all those things. How do you, dr johnson balance being you know the couple's favorite therapist and like just honestly finding wellness for yourself like how do you balance you in this world that you know that you're doing you're thriving and doing so many great things how do you balance that and what does it look like for you
1: so so important to to touch on because sometimes i do struggle with the balance even Mm -hmm. though like I'm the one kind of you know pre- preaching all these things. I have to check in with myself to make sure that I am practicing what I preach. Mm-hmm. A lot of professionals don't necessarily, and that's okay. It's like you go to a dentist with messed up teeth, uh, whatever, or your doctor, <laughs> your primary care physician uh, is smoking or overweight uh, or whatever, yeah. you know, like you could know the things but you might not put it into to practice. I like to be one of those therapists that puts those things into practice. I like mm-hmm. to try things out before I recommend them to my clients. Um, I'm in therapy myself I've been in couples therapy myself with my partner and I really really um, have to go back to those things that I've learned and, and still learning mm-hmm. and still preaching because you can kind of get out of control with like not being balanced in one way or another mm-hmm. you know sometimes I'll find myself disconnected and uh, disconnected from my practice or my professional network and I'm too much, uh, you know, relaxing or not doing enough when it comes to my, my professional life and then vice versa. I could be doing so much in my career, doing all kinds of things, but not dedicating enough to, to my family or myself and having that time to slow down. And so I've been careful lately to, to pick up on the signs and symptoms like signs and symptoms of burnout or, you know, burnout in your personal life or professional life, because it's not just for work, but those signs, because I have to be able to show up for myself, my family and my clients with a fairly, you know, leveled head, right? I know that I will start to show signs of burnout and, uh, you know, not feel that great showing up for, for my clients. And feeling like, okay, so that could have been better, or okay, now I need to take a step back. Now I'm doing too much. So before I get to that step, I always try to just constantly check in with myself because everything is going to feel so balanced all the time, but mm-hmm. it should feel okay. And I try to do things purposely and intentionally so that I'm not running on fumes or just doing the things that I always do, but really just slowing down sometimes. And, um, Yeah, just focusing, like, what's what's important this week, really, like, taking it week by week, day by day.
0: And I always love to ask very, very ambitious people, when did you become okay with selfishly putting yourself first? You know what I mean? Like, a lot of us, a lot of myself included, I, I, everything you said, 110% agree with all facts. But like, I can still feel bad by saying no to some things by setting a boundary. So like, when did you become okay with like, no, I got to address this burnout in order, even though it's in order to do those things and you may be working on it. Cause I know I am, but like, when did you become okay with that? Like, no, I need to put myself first right now. I oh see the God. thought. Like- <laughs> I'm gonna
1: answer this as honestly, like, I might just be a, a selfish person because I've always been able to say no and feel okay. <laughs> uh. <laughs> so that's never been an issue for me. Uh. Um, because, like, like again, like going back to like high school, middle school, middle school, I played sports. I, I played soccer. High school, I, I did soccer, golf. And I was a cheerleader like throughout. And so I always kind of put things, like I prioritized things, right? Like I knew I had to be a good student, a good athlete, and then everything else, right? Like good friends, sister, daughter, all that. Mm -hmm. Um, and then college I was involved in all those things I knew I still had to keep a level head and I still had to prioritize things Mm -hmm. PhD you know studying for for my licensure I put all those things first while still trying to be there for my friends and my family and myself Mm -hmm. and it wasn't and it still isn't that hard of a battle for me I think Mm -hmm. at this point yes I could probably be a Better friends at nurturing those friendships, <laughs> especially with COVID. You know, I just got so comfortable. Like, okay, so I'm just like this homebody in my house. Now I am in, it in these old dirty years, but um, now I'm trying to like do things. Right? I want to travel now, and I feel okay doing that. Um, but yeah, I I honestly don't have that much of an issue.
0: <laughs> so 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 is it is it is like so. I'm with you. So when you say not an issue, it's like how can I say this? Like, no feeling bad at all. Like it's not even like I feel bad, but eh, it gotta be done. Or is it like that battle? It's like, nah, I prioritize it. It is what it is. And the reason why I'm asking, not to not to throw you out there, the reason why I'm asking, it's only with certain things. But my wife and my son is like, I don't want to, but like that's just not gonna happen. But like when things that I feel like I can do, but I know I'm stretching myself. So I say, no, I have an internal battle of feeling bad. Cause I'm like, I could have did it. It wouldn't have been to how I wanted to, but I could have done it, but I had to say no. So like, when you do that, is it like one of those, uh, is it like a, mm, I just know what's best, whatever. Or you still have that, that slight struggle.
1: Uh, I'm know, really asking for myself. What it, is. it really depends on what it is. Uh-huh. Um, business-wise, I mm-hmm. feel like I'm at a place comfortably in my career where i can turn down certain opportunities sure. or clients and i'll feel okay with it and like uh-huh. that's not a battle at all because i'm like oh yeah no like the so, no like that ain't happening yeah. it's not worth my time whether worth in like financially or just uh-huh. worth it you know just uh, as an organic opportunity um uh-huh. and that actually took work to get there uh-huh. but personally um
0: I love it, yo. Like you really like I wish I could like I feel you. I love like I really wish I could like nah, it's just like cuz I I'm I'm much more like business-wise it's cut and dry for me. It just has to make sense. Has to be within my skill set. Has to be but like personally like I'm a I'm a recovering people per- people pleaser. Mm. So it like it like sometimes when I feel like I how can I say this without sounding like a complete like <laughs> you know, with the growth of social media mm-hmm. and the lack of understanding that we have of human nature, people typically only see themselves in situations. So, mm-hmm. say if you have something I'm supposed to make it to, my home could be blowing up. But typically people only see that they had something that I was supposed to make it to. Right, right. And you hear about it, hear about it. So that's from the personal end. But not to go down that that abyss. Uh, uh, but, uh, so when, when I hear you say like, uh, you know, business, you don't have a problem setting boundaries personally, it depends on what it is, you know, being in the relationship world and things of that nature, as you progress through the things that you want to do, the things that you are doing, how much more do, would you like your balance of business and personal? Like you say, you want to start traveling as you progress, as your wellness continues to evolve, what becomes more important for you? as you, the person.
1: Mm. I know People always throw around like the, the word like freedom, right? Mm-hmm. But I think it's, I mean, so I talk to a lot of people all day, every day. And mm-hmm. when we do talk about careers, mm-hmm. a lot of people really don't want to work, right? <laughs> Even yeah. doing something that they enjoy, like it could still feel like a lot. And sometimes mm-hmm. you just want to chill and catch up on like your shows, your, your Netflix or whatever. Mm-hmm. um so I feel like I'm I may be heading toward that space mm-hmm. my partner always like I get on his nerves all the time <laughs> not lately at least but um when we talk about career because for the longest he's like well what like where do you see yourself in like four years I'm like I don't know I just want to finish like my master's. I just want to finish my PhD I don't mm-hmm. know like I'm fine for right now mm-hmm. I just want to be this therapist right and then mm-hmm. I became a therapist and he's like well what now I'm like like I don't know, I might I might want to write a book. I don't know. Just leave me alone. but like, let's see. Got my my private practice. Okay, what's next? I don't know. Um, I like to listen to my, I like to listen to my body and my experience and just like the the feeling of okay. So how does this feel? How have you been feeling the last few weeks? Are you feeling burnt out? Like is this really just not the route? Is this really just not the thing? Has this thing worn off? Has this position or has this opportunity worn off and did its job? And so I feel like balance looks like right now in this stage of my life, mm-hmm. eventually soon, maybe moving more toward the traveling because I love traveling. I, oh my gosh, like I love those stamps in my my, my passport. And so mm-hmm. I would love to be able to do that. And even maybe like go somewhere for a few weeks and maybe see a few clients virtually, like just bring my laptop while I'm on the beach or something or work on my next book on somebody's plane or like lounge somewhere. But um, yeah, I would say I'm leaning more toward nurturing my relationships and my friendships and getting back to where they were even better before the the pandemic.
0: Dope, dope, dope. So two questions before we close out, cause you, I just thought about this. How much do you think that you see and that you, you, you've seen and you've experienced does social media play a role in relationships between partners? Like the expectation that's put out there, the lack thereof, how much of a role does that social media piece play that you- <laughs> Huge, huge, a lot, yeah.
1: especially if you have people that are very much kind of following the Instagram or, or Twitter rules, right? Like Mm -hmm. if it's not Instagram official, it's not official, or, you know, I'm going to use social media as a tool to, you know, kind of keep up with what you're doing when we're not around each other, kind of like a breach of trust kind of thing. Mm -hmm. Um, it's, Definitely a topic that should be talked about. Um, I do work with some clients that have each other's passwords for some odd reason um, (laughs) on their their social media. And whatever the reason is, whether it's the password to your phone or computer or social media, whatever it is, what are you using it for? And how is that a deeper symptom of what's happening in the dynamics with, with your partner? Um, but it's definitely a topic that should be talked about. Are you going to post me? Am I going to post you? How do I really feel? What's the purpose, right? Like all of that. If I see you tags in some girl or some guy's picture, how is that going to, you know, going to go down with us? And I've never met them or I don't know them, or it looks a little fishy. Someone's calling me because they've seen you do this. It's, it could be a mess if it's not talked about and if it's not cleared up because assumptions can go wild and if there's you know lack of trust or questionable behaviors then social media will definitely intensify
0: those things and okay so this was that was the first one this is my second one how do you separate all your knowledge and experiences from your work and business to your personal relationships how do you separate everything you know and everything that you go through through a day that you learn how do you kind of like come back to like i guess i don't want to say like ground level but how do you like balance that out in your own relationship knowing everything that you know and learn through you know uh counseling people yeah.
1: well i like to use it obviously yeah. right yeah. like i've all this knowledge i know what works and what doesn't work so sometimes I'll, you know, kind of put my shrink hat on, um, in my, in my relationship and nine times out of 10, it's effective. He listens to me. Other times, nobody in my life wants me to shrink them. (laughs) And so, um, I, I tread very, very lightly, especially with, um, you know, kind of approaching certain things from the therapist point of view and my personal relationships, um, a, I don't want to be doing that much thinking on my all time,
0: first of all. Yes, <laughs> of all. I feel that, yes,
1: yeah. Second of all, I don't want to therapize you and then, it, you know, I'm either wrong or I'm actually right and then it causes a rift in our relationship. I'm seeing too much into you or, you know, it's some things that I really want to talk about, but I can't. And then you can't unsee some things. It's just, it could just be a mess. So yeah. I try not to put on that hat, but in the times that it matters, I do. Like sometimes you know, like let's say someone experiences a loss or something really unfortunate. Hmm. A lot of times, for the lack of a better word, normal people Hmm. don't really know how to react, right? Hmm. So I try to put on the hat then because it is difficult to separate Daryl from Dr. Daryl in some instances. I'm like, well, what would therapist Daryl do? Okay, so I need to react in this way. Or I need to, maybe I need to give this person this kind of compassion instead of you know reacting with frustration so um i definitely try to leave therapists are all at home or in a closet somewhere but um sometimes it can be helpful
0: got you got you so and with 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 your work with your book uh as we come to the home stretch here what would you like to accomplish in, in the field in the field of wellness in the field of mental health and therapy relationship therapy what would you like to accomplish when it's I don't want to say when it's all said and done, that seems so, but like, what would you like to accomplish? What's some of your goals in the space?
1: So I would, I think I may want to write another book, maybe. Um, The book is actually, the current book is actually being turned into or has been turned into. I've completed the online course called The Relationship Blueprint. Again, I just wanted another resource for people, a different learning tool for different folks to access um, and doing other partnerships. So I've done partnerships with different um, companies. I have a few um, that'll be released this, this year. Um, so in the near future, I see myself coming, pulling or detaching away from the one-on-one therapy and doing more and more of the different um, projects that don't involve the direct care or more coaching, more creativity, because I felt like I was so stuff in the therapy like mindset where I can't do this I can't do that I can't talk to people about that or I can't seem that way and now I'm just like I need to have more rain, more creativity in my passion and helping people and so that is what the future looks like just more creativity through different outlets and just doing my thing and feeling better and feeling good um, and allowing me to show up. In a good way.
0: Dope, dope, dope. Can you please tell all the good people your handle, where they can find you, how they can get the book, your services, all the above?
1: Yes. So um, IG, Twitter, TikTok, Dr. Daryl Johnson. My website is drdaryljohnson.com. You can get the book from my website or Amazon, Amazon Kindle, and be on the lookout for more great things.
0: Yes, yes. Millennials versus the world, K. Mims, Dr. Daryl Johnson. Thank you so much. We are out.